Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello and welcome to the Tampering Podcast, part of the Athletic NBA Show Network. I'm Sam Amick, NBA National Writer at The Athletic. We got one usual suspect this week, Anthony Slater, coming at us from the West Coast. We have a friend of the show, friend in life, friend of all Minnesota Timberwolves fans out there. You know him, you love him. John Krasinski, what's up, brother? How are you? What's up, fellas? How's it going? Nice to see we, you. We it's had, been so long. We had to wait until they, the Wolves got blown out by the Suns to have you. <laughs> Like, that's right. Going too well. Yeah. Right the law. Yes. yes. Let's bring in On the Grim Reaper. Why the Wolves are screwed. The Suns <laughs> game is an ominous, ominous side. Now, today's show, as you might imagine, if you have a guy of John's ilk on, is going to be uh, very heavy on the Timberwolves, but we're going to talk Warriors, of course. Uh, the news comes down, guys, and, and, you know, and we're going to get into the West and League at large like we always do. But the news comes down that the Draymond Green is going to be suspended five games for his WWE act on Rudy Gobert the other night. Um, all three of us were there. We're going to share observations, analysis, all that stuff. But in terms of the ruling, you know, you talk about Groundhog Day. How many times have we jumped on a pod, written a story, talked about, did the league get it right on Draymond? I mean, he has, you know, long since become the the number one offender when it comes to kind of moments like this. Um, and so... You've got, for anybody who is living under a rock, you've got Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson getting into it at the start of that game on, what is today's Thursday? So that was Tuesday night? Tuesday night. In-season tournament Tuesday. Come on. That's right. With that, you know, poop emoji court, the Warriors rolled out there. No wow. <laughs> uh, maybe that's what had them in their feelings and feeling a weird vibe. But Jaden and, and Clay, uh, you know, scrapping with a 0-0 score um, you know, Rudy uh, ends up trying to grab Clay. Uh, he's deemed a peacemaker by NBA official Tyler Ford with his fantastic post-game pool report interview with one Anthony Slater. <laughs> well done. Sorry, sorry. Continue. Move on, move on. And you know, and you know, it, well, you might not know what happens from there. You know, Rudy, uh, you know, just he get again. He gets that WWE treatment. Draymond comes flying out of nowhere and 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 drags him for about ten feet. Um. Uh, you can't make this stuff up, and what I mean more specifically is I like I read it in your guys' story nine seconds. Did you guys have like the stopwatch out? Oh yeah, baby. Is that, yeah, yeah, we timed. Yes, we was timed. It nine point something was it? Eight point something. It was like eight point up? something rounded up. Okay, the roundup. I like yeah. the round. It was the roundup. That was a John executive decision. Uh, but oh yeah, we even let let's in, you know the interest of journalistic responsibility. We even made sure that all right, the videos were watching. We're not slowed down. Sometimes you see stuff online and slow down. So we went to the official video. Who made, made sure? It? Hold on. Wow. Yes, exactly. <laughs> With Rudy's face, please let go. <laughs> uh, but the five games, uh, thoughts that, yeah. you know, it's not nothing, uh, you know, and, and but there was some speculation that I, I saw in media that maybe they'd throw the book at him even harder. Uh, Slater, I, I believe Jay Williams is banging the table for 10 on the ESPN. <laughs> 
Was he? Um, I was thinking one to three, like spur of the moment when it happened was kind of my guess. Um, honestly, if it's, you know, name your random player, Obi Toppin or something, just that happened to randomly do that, it probably would have been one to three, right? Uh, and the league is not like, this isn't some sly behind the closed doors, like, hey, it's Draymond, let's make it harsher. They're like literally putting in their press release, like his history matters. They did it in the Sabonis deal yeah. uh, when they decided to suspend him and they're saying it now and it's, it's their transparent attempt to tell him to stop. He is pretty transparently, hey, by the way, this was his second injection this week and after the first one he came out like, stop telling me to not be me. I'm going to be me. I've succeeded being me. And his argument is correct. He was literally just given a four-year $100 million extension after so much of this has gone down, including punching Jordan Poole. So I don't know. I mean, it's the league telling him to stop. It's him telling them he's not going to stop. They're going to increase the punishments. Five, in my opinion, seems a little harsh, but it's because they want it to seem harsh, right? That seemed like to me, yeah, Slater. I mean, I, I walking out of the arena and just trying to process it all, You also knowing that the league was going to take his history into it, I thought it was going to be in the three to five range. Talking to some Timberwolves people, I think they were more on the Jay Williams side of hoping it would be more even to send send a, a bigger message. They thought that it was completely unnecessary and and um, egregious the way that he went in on Rudy like that. But when you settle in and you look at it and it's five games, I mean, that's not a small number of games for a suspension. So um, I look at it and say, yeah, that that seems about right to me. Uh, I think I really do think if, the, if it would have been three or so, you could have made an argument that's a little light, um, just given his history and just given the act itself. And so five sounds right. Maybe anything more than that would have been a little on the on the harsh side, in my view. The other thing, the other part of this, and I don't know how much fans care about this, but I know Draymond Green does. It is five game checks, which yeah. is about seven hundred eighty thousand dollars. It's a uh, lot of which money. Is not a small amount of money. What is funny on Slater each game for the full for the full thing for the full the full, the full fine is seven hundred eighty thousand, which like you know like Rudy. Clay and Jaden McDaniels got 25k and you know like 25k is like well, don't take 25k from me please right uh, and I know like look the scale is different but like 780k to Draymond is kind of like you know for us you know take I, again I don't want to scale it reveal anything but uh the other part of this that what is, Slater makes yeah look at that view <laughs> thank you thank you um the other part of this that is kind of funny uh is Warriors save some tax and you know they 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 do bite around the margins, and you know they they open the season with only thirteen players in the on. Warriors are like give them ten. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they are not saying that, but you know <laughs> consolation prize, I believe, is a term I've heard. Um, you know how much tax they save? Two point five million. Wow. Off wow. that day. Uh, so he just became you know, employee it, of the month then, basically. Look, if this was second tax apron ducking. Yeah. Then this would really feel kind of like slightly important. We're still a year from that, but they just learned there is at least like kind of like the headlock strategy if you need to duck some back. <laughs> just kidding, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I think they got it right. It it, it is five games is a lot. You know yeah. I mean, I, I thought it would land more in the three territory. Um and and but listen, when you kind of alluded to it Slater, when when you got Draymond at this stage of his career, which is to say he's still got a lot of basketball left just signed a four-year hundred million dollar deal the league is is thinking about the long view as well like if you give him one if you give him two then then 
what is you know going to slow his mind down next time he feels like choking you know ch- choking somebody out again. You are trying to mitigate this thing for the next four or five years. Um, so the whole thing was wild, though. I mean, let's go back to to that night, and I know it's a little outdated at this point, but you know, the, it's still just so fresh in my mind. I come out of the tunnel right before the game, and I'm going to share this story at my own expense. I come out looking like your classic sports writer who has uh, taken part in the free soft serve ice cream and got my Diet Pepsi looking like a schlub coming up the stairs, decided not to take the elevator because, you know, I got to get a few steps in if I'm going to yeah. have the soft serve. And and I, I turn up the stairwell and I just hear this incredible noise from the crowd. Like, all right, something just popped off. I turn around. I'm about 20, 30 feet away from the fight. And, and just my brain trying to process, because I could see Draymond with his arms around somebody, and I'm looking through, and I think I have this right, John, is, is Rudy 27? Is that the yes. jersey number? Yes, right. I literally am looking through, like, the you know, kind of flesh and humanity and going, oh, Lord, is that a 27 on the jersey? <laughs> like, given three years ago, you know, Draymond making fun of Rudy for crying when he didn't make the All-Star game, given the defensive player of the year beef that we all knew was there, because it wasn't just Draymond, there was this kind of, sentiment in years past about Rudy getting way too much credit for his defense and Draymond seeing himself as the best defender on the planet. Given all that context, like you've got to be kidding me. Is he really sitting here choking out Rudy Gobert? Um, from there, Jaden McDaniels coming off the court because he got ejected, coming through the tunnel. And I, I we this was in our story. I didn't put all the detail on it. I looked to my left and as Jaden's leaving, Clay's brother Michael, who's on the Warrior staff, you know, he he definitely you know took a circuitous route to to come say a little something to Jaden. He probably walked about 40, 50 feet to catch him at the hallway. They end up exchanging words, and I'm talking playground stuff, like you know, cover your ears a little bit. I asked Jaden about it later, and I just assumed they must know each other. There's got to be beef. This has got to be personal. I said, man, I saw you got into it with Clay's brother a little bit. And he's confused. I said, no, what do you, you got? Yeah, the guy by the, the tunnel, the hallway. And he just laughs. He goes, oh, I didn't even know that was Clay's brother. I'm just like, oh, all right. You cool. just saw a warrior shirt. Probably that was, <laughs> uh, Clay's brother is a proud older brother. Sure. So, yeah. I'm not know. bad at it. I mean, no, yeah. No, I know. Yeah. I know. It's just, it, it adds an extra layer, which makes it kind of funny. For sure. For sure. But for you guys, I, you know, again, we, we've been, you know, thousands of nights at the office. This was a. Uh, a different kind of one. How did it hit you? In-season tournament, baby. Let's go. Just get ready for this every time they, they pop that cord on the floor. I do. I What I do know is that after the Sunday game and the Wolves winning that one and with Steph out, they kind of expected the Warriors to try to be super physical, like just to really try. And I mean, they were the Warriors were physical with them on Sunday. And I think that there still is a belief out there uh, um, in the league that if you can get into the Wolves' heads, Rudy's, Cats, those kinds of situations, maybe you can rattle them and get them off their game. And so uh, they came in, I think, a little bit ready for that. And then, but to see it jump off that quickly was still like, okay, this is, there was not, no one had scored a bucket. It was a little ragged to start that first 90 seconds. And then we're, then we're on. And it's just like, Holy cow! Okay, this right. is this is really going down. It was right, right. It was something, man. Slater, uh, before we eventually, we're going to talk a lot of wolves and get past this incident. But this is in the news right now. I want to I want to unpack Draymond a little bit. Um, and again, we've done this countless times. 
But if you go back to, you already hit on it, the Cleveland game, the Donovan Mitchell stuff, the Anthony Edwards thing and the first Wolves matchup, you got this three-game stretch where his energy yeah, is, is seemingly in a different place on a higher level maybe even than normal. Um, to whatever degree you can, like unpack where you think he's at because it matters a lot. This Warriors team still sees itself as a title contender. They need Draymond you know, a great amount to be at peak Draymond and on the floor, uh, by the way, if that's going to happen. So what? where is he at? What's going on with him? How did you see some of this stuff if you try to go a little bit deeper with it? Yeah, I think he's trying to like kind of jumpstart the team a little bit. Um, they're one and four at home, which is weird. It's like a complete reversal of the trend from last season, where they they could only win at home and always lost on the road. Now they're five and two on the road and four uh, one and four at home. But uh, the starting lineup, particularly, has been bad. Wiggins and Clay have, have opened the season poorly, um, and you know, particularly to open that Wolves game as John mentioned without Steph, I think it's him. You know, he, he he views himself as the emotional engine of the team and has been for a decade. I mean, we all know that. Um, and I think physically he's not quite there. Remember, he's, you know, he comes into camp not necessarily in the best condition and he sprains his ankle and that, that sets him back. He missed the, all the preseason, the first two regular season games. I think he's trying to work himself into shape. And until he's fully feeling like himself, I think it's a little bit of an overcompensation of like, well, if I can't physically dominate a game defensively like I want I need to emotionally dominate it a little bit more um and at home where they're you know they are trying to create you know some momentum to open the season I think he's just bullying a little bit which is like they want him to do that I mean it's kind of his role on the team um so I don't think it's some like you know, deeper, uh-oh, like Draymond's in complete decline and he's figuring that out. So he's just deciding to like, you know, rumble around. And I, you know, I thought it was a funny quote from Rudy Gobert, but I don't agree that Draymond just wanted to get ejected because Steph wasn't out there. I mean, they want to win that game. Um, so I just, you know, I think, again, I'm, maybe it is a little overcompensation, but it's also just Draymond Green. What was that his 18th ejection, I think, career? Um, it's going to happen. It's going to happen probably two more times this season. Uh, the technicals are going to happen. I mean, you want to know what's weird, so he gets ejected twice this week. This ejection landed a lot better in the locker room than the first one did because the first one is that I'm arguing with the refs and I get the first, and then I'm kind of doing some extracurriculars with Donovan Mitchell that are exactly related to the game, and then, oh, boom, now I'm out of an important third and fourth quarter. This one, at least in their locker room, landed like he was protecting Clay Thompson. He just came in like, get off Clay Thompson. And it was egregious for sure but it was like whatever that's our protector i wouldn't say is a quick follow because slater and john both we debated the hell out of it that night i think one part of my opinion that has changed and evolved and and admittedly listening to some former athletes on this particular topic is i I think i'm going to endorse the idea that if you're rudy who gets deemed a peacemaker which is probably a, a little simplistic i mean listen the league ends up giving him a twenty five thousand dollar fine so that was a nod to the warriors like okay we kind of agree that he probably for sure but the specific part is you know not you know i have not been in a fight like this on a you know sporting field before but the idea of Rudy, surprises me saying let's see is that true that is a true statement i think um but you're grabbing the other team's player that's 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 one distinction that was made by a lot of athletes. Like, grab your guy. Don't grab the other team's guy. Like, if you don't want the reaction that comes for, like it did from Draymond, like, you know, the, there's going to be zero trust when one of Clay's teammates and, and you know, chief among them, Draymond Green, 
sees anybody on the Jazz, let alone and the Jazz. Look at that little slip on the Wolves, let alone Rudy Gobert grabbing Clay. So you know, if you could unpack it again and reverse engineer it, like Rudy grabbing Jaden is the way to go, not Clay. And and I think if he grabs Jaden, then then we got a whole different outcome. Yeah, and I'll, I'll say this: um, the just the way that the whole skirmish sort of unfolded and crossed into the warrior side of the court. Rudy was on the side of like Clay was just closest to him. Yeah, no, so, I get it. But yeah. I, but yes, but I I agree with you. Like I understand Draymond looking and saying, "Wait a minute. Their guy has my guy. I'm coming right. in to the fold here." Like I'm not- I think I think Draymond saw it as uh okay, first it's just Jaden and Clay scrapping. Now the Wolves other guys are jumping in, so I better jump in too. Well, so yeah, I, it's like, oh, I'm sorry, it's Rudy Gobert. Let's yeah, go. And I think then he did <laughs> lock the wrist 27 on there, and he probably put a little extra mustard on coming in for sure. And he did. But by the way, the other part, real quick, like yeah, yeah, part, like I have seen Warriors fans react to one like little screenshot of rudy possibly having yeah his arm around clay's neck it was not even close if you compare what draymond did to rudy and rudy did to clay john, and it was clear john, that he was john, john i'm gonna give you a, i'm gonna give you a small uh suggestion don't dive too deep into warriors twitter yeah don't. i know i know i know <laughs> it, it was it was it, it's it's risky at best but like rudy if you watch it unfold in real time like i see why tyler ford said he was being a peacemaker because it was like it was him trying to grab and just calm everything down. Uh, he did not get up and choke him in the neck. There was not. There was none of that stuff. Um, but still, like I, I do get why Draymond looked at that and said, "I've got to get in here now." He should have gotten in there in a completely different fashion than he did, and that's hey, hey, Rudy, things. Rudy, Rudy. Yeah, yeah, guys, guys, guys. Take, let's talk Rudy. about this a little bit. Yeah. Can we just all get along? So I'm going to push it forward here, but but my last thought, just unpacking, <clears throat> excuse me, the, the whole incident. John, whoever was responsible within the Minnesota Timberwolves organization for starting the messaging and the kind of under the surface PR angle of, hey, let's talk about how Draymond doesn't like playing without Steph on the floor. Hey, guys, and this is my own commentary, disclaimer, this is not reporting from behind the scenes. Hey, guys. Do you remember those rumors about how Jordan Poole said something to Draymond about how he was, you know, he was riding Steph Curry's coattails? And I think that's a trigger. Like, let's just make fun of Draymond and talk about how he doesn't want to play Steph or without Steph. Because post game, that, I mean, people behind the scenes and then Rudy on the record, I'm going to read the quote here, um, going down that road. Oh, man, I had it all ready to go. No, it's not there. Hold on. Here it is. It's kind of funny, Gobert says, because before the game, I was telling myself that Steph is not playing. So I know Draymond's going to try to get ejected. Every time Steph doesn't play, Draymond doesn't want to play. It's his guy, Steph. He'll do anything he can to get ejected. I I love it from a media standpoint, guys. But within that, like Rudy talking about if he knew, and I'm paraphrasing, but I'm pretty close, like if he was better at choking people, it you know it it would have been bad like oh, cool we're challenging Draymond to improve his choking technique for the next match. <laughs> I'm a little nervous for Rudy going forward. I'm not gonna lie. By the way, so currently they only have one more game March 24th in Minnesota. That's where but, I'm gonna be. <laughs> but but if the league, um, you know, with this in season tournament, there's actually a little small portion of the schedule that's like undetermined at this point. 
if neither Minnesota or the Warriors make it to Vegas uh, out of the group, then you like they have to make uh, you know I, I think a game or maybe even two more games on the schedule, like r- right in that like December fifth range. Um, and I know one of the options for the Warriors is to go to Minnesota because they only go there once. Although so, I will say, I I, I think the knowing, league should do that. Is what I'm uh, saying. That's no like the obvious schedule. No, because knowing the 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 NBA's business machine pretty well, there's no way they're doing anything to take away from Vegas. Oh man, another you know brawl I mean? round two. Yeah, taken away from the. Uh, Maybe they'll just put that game in Vegas. Like you know, this is you know how we we just, just go to bump the somebody Coliseum in Rome. Let's what do go. they what do they call the uh, what do they call the matches before like the you know like kind of like the grand finale the undercards yeah, the undercard yeah. there you go I mean can that yeah. not be wow easy? Slater's not headed for an MMA career here I like no. it uh, all right let's yeah, let's like let's that. get into the Wolves John um, <laughs> oh by the way they're a pretty good team they they get you know plastered by the Suns last night which kind of killed the vibe on this uh, let's hype the Wolves train but it's one game uh, and it's a back to back and. The mental uh, kind of you know baggage that might have come with what happened the night before. Who knows? Anthony Edwards, I you know I didn't watch a lot of that game, but the box was pretty ugly. You know, and I think it was a minus twenty five. Yeah, you know, didn't shoot real well. Rudy Rudy had a quiet night. I mean, they were down thirty plus, I believe. But you know, uh, big picture overall, you're talking about a team that is the eight and three now. I got that right. Eight and three. Eight and three still have the number one defense in the NBA. Um, I was very impressed with what I saw, particularly in the first game where it was the actual two teams playing, um, and and you know, and them getting uh, getting that game. I mean, I can't remember. This might be a little hyperbole, but a, a team, and again, it's early, but where you've got this narrative from the season before, which is like, huh, what a bunch of morons! They put these players together who don't fit, and it's never going to go anywhere. Now, that's my fan speak from a, yeah. what a lot of critics had to say. You know, Rudy takes a lot of hate from NBA fans, and so he became the poster boy of that criticism. Carl Anthony Towns has a lot of folks who don't, you know, necessarily like his game, um, and it was just they were a little bit of the laughing stock. Then you turn, and and after you know, again before last night they're eight and two, ten games in you're going, damn, I, I kind of I don't even have to squint that hard. I can see where this team. I don't know where they're going to land ultimately. But they're going to be a problem. You know, they challenged Denver more than people really gave them credit for in the playoffs. Last year, it was five games, but it was tight. Um, it's funny because, the John, the Lakers like to flex on the idea that, you know, that their sweep was super competitive yeah, in the right. conference finals. It is yeah. like nothing compared to what Minnesota gave them. Um, you know, you know this team better than anybody. Just what's real and what's not at this point in the season with this group and what they've done. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest difference right now that you can see in the way that they're playing is the familiarity is a huge thing I mean we saw how important it was for the Nuggets last year and their run to the title but um, last year was very disjointed for this group trying to learn Rudy Gobert trying to figure out how to work this too big lineup like you had Carl Anthony Towns miss 50 games Um, Towns and Gobert were both out in training camp with injuries and so they just never felt like they got any kind of solid ground underneath them. Now, coming back in year two, people, you know, A, they have Mike Conley at point guard, which has been a huge thing for them to just organize to help empower Rudy Gobert and and do those things. But Rudy um, is healthier. Uh, he is moving really, really well uh, outside of last night on the second night of a back-to-back. But um, 
And and I, it just feels like a team that knows its identity a little bit more. That it's def- that the, the identity is on defense. They are so long with Gobert and Towns and McDaniel's. Edwards is big. Um, you know they have just a lot of length to bother people. And so uh, when when you look at reasons to believe that this start that they are on is not just you know a a hot streak that so many teams go through in a long season and theirs is just happening to come at the beginning. I think everybody looks at the defensive weapons that they have and how sustainable that model is. And so if they can keep building on that, I mean, they've already beaten Golden State at home twice. They've beaten uh, Denver. They've beaten Boston. uh, They beat Miami without Jimmy Butler. But... um, they have some real wins on their resume to say that, hey, this maybe isn't a fluke. This isn't just a little flash in the pan that this is a team that's kind of come together and figured some things out. Yeah, they're uh, first in defense, 18th in offense, so we know what the identity is. They have two guys who you can just score late, right? Like the, the Warriors in a lot of ways outplayed them in the second game after all the ejections, but just late. They didn't have, you know, they had Steph was obviously out, Clay, Clay, and Draymond ejected. They didn't have like go to guys to to close it out. The Wolves did, right? Towns hit two huge threes, and then Edwards made that play, you know, for the Conley corner three, and they just, you know, they kind of steal that win, and that's what good playoff teams do, right? They have great defensive rating, and you know, in in a clutch game, they 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 finish you off. Um, I would want to ask about um, McDaniel. Because I, you know, he did. He doesn't play, obviously, in the, in, you know, after the ejection. But what, what was his contract? Um, it was is five years, a hundred and thirty million or so. So that's you know, hundred. So he's he's really at like about twenty seven per year going. That's forward. a huge commitment for a team that isn't just like, hey, we got room, why not? Right? right? I mean, they, they're they're in a very complicated financial situation, but view him so in such good light and of such a importance long term that they committed that type of money um tell me about his growth and what he is becoming and then also i mean we should probably flip it into like what are they what are like it's kind of a weird time for them long term like where does this go financially yeah i mean for for mcdaniel specifically um he's been terrific when he's not getting thrown out of games um he is a a super long he's at like he's almost 610 now and he can guard he guarded Steph uh, on Sunday. He guards Luca. He guards James Harden. He guards the best perimeter player every game, and he usually makes things very tough on them. I know Steph had 38, but I think he had to work really hard for those 38. He had what five turnovers as well, so um, trying to make it trying to make it tough on him. But the, here's the difference with McDaniel's that sets him apart: is you know he can do it on the defensive end, and he's really really good on that end. But he can also make shots. He shot 40% from three last season. Um, he has a little bit more in his bag this, this year in terms of cutting, getting to the basket in the mid-range game um, a little bit. So they they really think that he's a two-way player, that he can be um, a guy that you put next to Anthony Edwards for a very long time, and that's a building block. And so to get to your other point of, you know, why did they commit this kind of money to him, given that Towns and Robert on max deals, given that Anthony Edwards is on a max deal. Um, if you look at kind of the construction of the team, yes, right now, like this is kind of a win now group because you have Conley and, and Gobert who are older. Towns is like now in his prime 
at 28 years old and it's kind of go time. But they also then view it as, you know, it, 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 as these as Gobert phases out of his contract, as if Conley has to move on, if a few of the other veterans um, go out, you still have McDaniel's, who's twenty four or twenty three, Nas Reed is twenty four, and um, uh, Anthony Edwards is twenty two, and so there's that young group and core that will eventually kind of graduate and take over. It's just a matter of is it right now is it next year is it two or three years from now that's going to be the interesting thing to see how quickly they have to kind of shift gears financially that way john to that point what is your updated opinion on the organization's view of its own payroll because you know we get caught up in the action and the emotion that comes with hey this team's pretty good and so you give them the respect they deserve right now on the floor but Tim Conley, head of the Wolves front office and his staff, um, they obviously never lose sight of the long-term plan and, and just the books, if you will. Uh, you know the narrative coming into the season, which is that it was only a matter of time before um, they would uh, inevitably have to send Carl Anthony Towns somewhere for both financial reasons and then maybe just to, to try something new. But I don't know, man. I, I'm around that team for a couple days. And again, I'm a prisoner of the moment, admittedly, right now. But Chris Finch talking ad nauseum about um, all the, the things Carl has done this season to improve the collective. Uh, you know, you don't often hear coaches talk about star players and the little things. I mean, he's talking about, you know, being vertical on defense and, and being willing to guard on the perimeter more than before um, and, and allow them to do things defensively that they couldn't do last season. He's talking about setting screens and, and getting grimy and, and mainly lauding Carl for checking his ego at the door and, and doing what this group needs. Um, so in the moment, it's it's kind of a, a neat little story how they're seemingly coming together a bit, but that doesn't change the books. I don't have the the uh, the collective math in front of me, but even just, man, if you look at, I'm looking at the 20, 25, 26 season and just to focus on the core, I mean, you'd be paying Rudy Gobert 46 million, Carl 53 million, Anthony Edwards, $38 million, and then, oh, by the way, if Nas Reed, you know, or when he picks up that option, that's 15 They just got a lot of massive numbers on the books, and we we all know that the second, uh, second apron is is always looming. Just how do you see that? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's complicated for sure. Um, you know, right now, I think that, you know, you, you can, like, you can look at it and say, why are they in this position? Well, they're in this position because they want Anthony Edwards to be winning games as a young player and be you know, getting into playoff series and, and going deeper into the playoffs. And if he is truly going to be the number one guy on this for this franchise for the foreseeable future, you can't have him wasting away in lottery seasons. And so um, I think in, in some ways it's been mission accomplished because they want to be competitive and they want to uh to put Edwards in that position to learn and to grow and so he can be ready and so but that also leads to the point of this is a very very big year for this roster as currently constructed they have to win a lot of games and have success in the playoffs to have a chance to stay together because that second apron is coming um they uh they need to really see a viable path toward a huge playoff gates and and ticket receipts and 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 generating a lot of revenue that way 
to justify keeping this group together. Um, you know, I know this is a big conversation with people, you know, among the national scene about looking at what the Timberwolves perspective, but I do think that there's one thing that everyone is kind of missing is that this team has been out of the first round of the playoffs one time in its entire existence. This is the 35th year of the franchise. Like you need to like really change the identity of how this whole franchise is being perceived. And so I, I see why they want to be aggressive here and keeping Carl Anthony towns gives them an opportunity to match up better against Denver to really kind of get into playoff series and have a chance to win them for the first time since Kevin Garnett was in his prime here. And, and so I think there's real value in that. Now, there may be some things that they have to do down the road to pay for that success, but they have not had any success. And so if they can start to build some sort of foundation and uh, of success and change the perceptions of this team while you're, you're kind of catapulting Anthony Edwards into stardom, that gives them a chance to build on it going forward no matter what they have to do financially. So I, I, I just, I think it makes a lot more sense than maybe some people kind of at first blush, you know, kind of look at without knowing the whole context. What's the ownership like dynamic right now? And, and how does that play in all this? Yeah. I mean, that's another complicated issue right now. Glenn Taylor is still the owner, but by December 31st of this year, uh, Mark Laurie and Alex Rodriguez can exercise their final option to buy the the last 40% of the team and become majority owners, um, which would likely happen in the spring of this year as the, as, as the whole transaction is completed and assuming it gets league approval. Um, we don't know exactly yet what kind of financial uh, buying power they bring with them. We, you know, we can assume it's not Steve Ballmer level money. We can assume as of right now, they don't have Lake of level money because they don't have a new arena hey they uh, they uh they acting like they do they are yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe spending. they do i don't know and and they could yeah we like they have sort of been a little bit more under the radar right now just because technically they do not own the team yet but they have certainly factored big time in the decision making uh they were the ones that recruited tim Connolly from denver to minnesota and 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 gave him a, a hefty financial package to do it uh, they absolutely have been consulted and are firmly, you know, in on on paying Jaden McDaniels what they paid him, on paying Nas Reed what they paid him. So they are they're they're absolutely involved and and fully aware of the price tag that is coming. Here's what they have going for them, though. Uh, they came in and they bought into the Timberwolves on a 1.6 billion dollar evaluation. Right that's now, yeah, yeah right now they probably already have almost a billion dollars in equity. I mean, it's a $2.5 billion asset at least. And so if they continue winning, if they start to look at things like new arenas and stuff, it becomes, it goes well north of $3 billion. So they have a lot of, they, they got a great deal on it. And that is going to give them some sort of spending power, you know, uh, financial solvency that might you know, might be harder to come by had they had had they had to purchase it at two, two and a half billion dollars um, and 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 go for it that way. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to uh, segue here. John, you mentioned a, a guy by the name of Steve Ballmer. Um, his Clippers 
are having a hard time. And let's just get into some of the action from this week. The Clippers are are on my mind. Uh, I wrote a piece today with Josh Robbins and Mike Borkanoff. Check that out on our site, trying to highlight just some of the early season action, you know, which teams have impressed, which teams have not. So when the question was posed to me, you know, which teams have underperformed and do you think they will turn it around? Um, I was, you know, none too thrilled to get into the Clippers situation. And I only say thrilled because I always love these high profile situations when it's like, how many times do we need to learn that, you know, this is not just a game of, of throw as much talent into the same pot as you possibly can and, and assume that it is going to work. James Harden wanted nothing more than to get to the Clippers where you look on paper and they've got four future Hall of Famers in Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Russell Westbrook, and then the Beard. Uh, they're 0-5. So I waited until, you know, five is a good little chunk of time where I kind of, I'm very comfortable saying, let's unpack this a little bit because one game, all right, it was in the garden. They played the Knicks. James hadn't been on the court. Fine. Uh, two games, uh, pulling up where they went next. Brooklyn. You're then losing to, at Brooklyn. You're losing at Dallas, giving up 144. Um, defensively a disaster in that game. 105-101 to Memphis. Then you lose to the champs that actually play pretty well uh, against the Nuggets. But they're 0-5 to give the, the, you know, the data real quick. Uh, during that span... League-wide, they're 27th in offense, 25th in defense, 29th in net rating. Um, Harden is coming in at 15 points a game. You know, his shooting splits are fine. Um, 4.2 assists. He doesn't look good. Well, he doesn't look good. And the the assist part and the playmaking part is where it's just apples and oranges from his Philly life. And I don't really feel like going too far down the Harden road, but it is wild. It's like, man, like in Philly – He's seemingly resentful over the fact that he was willing to play the let's let's you know augment Joel Embiid and all of his superpowers like he did last year in Philly. James did a wonderful job of that, led the league in assists, and still scored the ball at a, at a twenty point per game clip. Um, I don't know basketball wise, that feels more fun than this. didn't make the All Star team though, right? Wasn't that an yeah, well? He's not about to make it this year. <laughs> no, I know, but I mean, you know, I feel like. Wasn't there a sense from him that he didn't get like no? There was, but then the the whole grass is always greener thing. Like, how is this better? It's only five games, but how the hell is this better? You're in your well, own yeah. Game. I mean, to, to me, he's at the stage of his career where like, yeah, it's just gonna. He's not gonna get back to what he was in Houston, and he's kind of chasing that. That happens a lot of times, you know, with players, uh, you know, of his ilk and his age. But let's see him get in shape first. He's clearly not in like quite yet in basketball rhythm and shape. Their team is, and I actually thought they played pretty good against the Nuggets. I mean, obviously, 0-5 is a bad number. I don't know. If these pieces seem like they might not fit. Tyloo did not close with Westbrook the other night. He went with kind of a better-fitting lineup. Um, but Harden doesn't look that good. To me, Like he might be able to play at that Philly level if he gets back to that Philly rhythm. He just doesn't have it. Oh, I, I actually don't really doubt that he can play at that Philly level. He's just on the wrong team to do it. You know, there, there's it's the whole one ball thing. You know, I mean, that's where Ty Lue, uh, it, it's wild to say because he's a guy with incredible respect around the league. He's a championship coach. You know, I was at the game the other day, and this is, to be clear, just coming from, like, the scouting community, but people within the league are, are suddenly, you know, chatting a little bit about Ty, like, man, there's some pressure on him over there. Steve Ballmer doesn't mess around. And, and you got a new arena coming for the Clippers this summer. I mean, it's a pretty unique landscape in terms of the pressure component because the marketing business side where they would love nothing more than to have a successful year that they could then sell to the fan base going into the new arena. 
you know, it, it potentially is headed in the polar opposite direction, which is we don't know what the hell we're going to do with our roster. Um, we got a bunch of aging stars that didn't get the job done, and I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself here. But those two scenarios are still in play. Um, and I think, any, you know, everybody in that Clippers building should uh, be feeling a little bit tight right now. Yeah, I know. I, th- I think James said after the Denver game, you know, hey, once this gets clicked in, we're going to be great. Like he's expressing a lot of confidence and it is still very early in the season. And so uh, and he just got there. So you can say that, yeah, this may just give them some time. They will figure things out and it could be really good. But the problem is, is that you're giving a benefit of the doubt to a team and a group of players that frankly does not really deserve it um, from Harden's standpoint, but also from the Clippers standpoint in general. I mean, what in the last three years has told us that this is a group that really wants to even play basketball, that cares about it, that wants to do the hard work that it's going to take to be viable in the Western Conference with all of this parody? I mean, if anything defines this group other than, you know, games missed for injury, it's a lack of want to. It feels like to me just watching them like, do these guys, you know, they they just expected that it was going to everything was going to be handed to them and work out great because I'm Kawhi Leonard, I'm Paul George, I'm, you know, I'm this, I'm that, I'm now I'm James Harden. And um, I think they're at their stage of their careers where that's not going to be just falling into their laps. And I want to be able to, I want to see if they're willing to do the, the dirty work that it's going to take to 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 figure that out. I just don't know that this group is capable of that. I, well, I think this era, their era was built around the idea that Kawhi Leonard might be the best player in yeah. basketball, right? I mean, he they got him after he led the Raptors to a title, was the finals MVP. And, you know, you know how it works. You know, when you do win the finals MVP, like that summer, you are believed to basically be the best player in basketball. Yes. That's when they signed him. Uh, he, well, that feels like ages ago. And to be honest, there are there are five game stretches randomly over the last few years where you're like, there he is. But I just don't, you know, we could blame, you know, the want to or the construction of the roster. I just don't think his body is holding up. And if his if he is not a top five player, they are not a title contender. And I just will he ever get back to that? I don't know. Not to, you know, I shouldn't say not to, I guess, uh, to pour a little salt in the wound that you kind of opened up there, John, as far as just the question of want to, which is, I think, somewhat fair. I think there's some nuance there. Lou Williams um, was on the Paul George podcast recently. I think this is where that was from. But, you know, he he, uh, was talking about the old bubble experience, which admittedly for me, in terms of my opinion of this Clippers group, um, it's pretty tough to get those memories out of my head where I was you know, in the gym when Paul George was hitting threes off the side of the backboard late when they were blowing a 3-1 lead to the Nuggets and just seeing a level of, of basketball that was, you know, about as low as you can get on that level. Um, in terms of their mindset at the time and maybe even at times since, Lou says, we didn't even want to go to the bubble. Mentally, we came into it without the right mindset to finish the job. We didn't even want to be there. And I think once we got there, uh, we were in it. You know, there was some talk about how they uh, didn't think a, a bubble title would be respected, and that might have impacted motivation. So this is where I've always been very sympathetic to Ty Lue, because that's not how Ty is cut. And he's been trying uh, last year, you know, a couple of years now, to, I think, change the culture. I think he's had some progress. I don't think they're the same team identity-wise that they were before. I think that's why they go get 
a Westbrook, which say what you will about Russ, Russ competes. He's going to play ball. Uh, he loves the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. We're on the back end of our, our chat and our pod here, but what else has jumped out to you guys this week? How, how about this? Uh, Zach Levine. Why don't we talk a little bit about him? He's a guy that obviously John covered back in the day. And, you know, the Bulls lose last night to the, to the uh, Magic. What are they now? Sam, you, you usually got the standings up, like four and eight or something like that. Four and eight, that's right. Four and eight, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, he's the he's the new name out there. I don't know how appealing. I don't know what how great a package he's going to get. I believe he still has three years and, like, at over 40 per. I believe the last year of his deal is, like, 48 million. So it's it's a tough contract to trade. It's a tough contract for teams out there to absorb. But, you know, it's the name that's been floating out there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, watching Zach's put up plenty of good numbers when he's been in, in Chicago. He's been in an all-star game. He's he's scoring plenty. I think he had 51 earlier this year, this year, right, and they lost that game. It's just been a matter of can this group with, with that kind of production, is he the kind of guy that, impacts winning in a way and it and it hasn't happened yet i mean he and vooch and demar Derozan, like that group has a ton of offensive talent but uh everything that you hear coming out of chicago is it's just not working like and and you know zach was was i think public this week saying now is not the time to talk about um you know whether he wants to be there or not when a player says now is not the time to talk about it that means uh now is the time and that he doesn't want to be here. And it sure seems like that group, it feels like has been ripe for some sort of significant change the last couple of years. And they just have stuck with it. And now their kind of backs are against the wall. Yeah, I agree with all that. Um, our Darnell Mayberry, who covers the Bulls so well, had asked Zach 
uh, essentially about, is it a distraction? I believe was some form of that question. And, and Zach said, Darnell, like I've had this for three years, man. Like, yeah. so there was a fatigue that came with that. You know, he's not wrong. He's been in the rumors for a long time. And, and a lot of it is that, uh, I mean, these bulls, when they jumped on the scene and, and got Alex Caruso and had Lonzo Ball and, you know, and Arturis Karnesivis had taken over the front office, they had a, a short little spell when it seemed like they, they actually put a roster together that was going to contend in the East. But nobody has believed that for quite some time. And it feels like there's a, a fait accompli component here that, that Zach obviously now is, is eventually going to be on the move. My other big takeaway with Zach, guys, and, and you know this really well, is this time of year, there's always a Zach Levine, meaning a high-profile player whose name hits the market in a substantive kind of way and then teaches you and shows you and reveals where a bunch of different teams are at. Because regardless of where Zach goes, um, when you talk to people around the league and you start hearing the same team names attached potentially to Zach right away, for, for even for my purposes, the way I like covering league, I care less about where Zach ultimately lands than I do finding it fascinating that, and I'm going to read a list here because I made some notes the other day. When you are hearing consistently Lakers, Heat, Knicks, Hawks, Philly, um, the takeaway there is that these are squads that, you know, like if you want Zach Levine, you've got to give up quite a bit to get him. And so as far as how those teams see themselves, you now have learned that they they have greater aspirations. They're going to be aggressive when the trade deadline comes around in February. Um, to unpack some of those specific teams, on the Philly side, you know, they've been tied to Levine for a long time. That was where my mind certainly went first when I saw Shams put out the Zach story. Um, as of now, anyway, my understanding in Philly, because we, you know, we know that post-James Harden trade, they are very well positioned to go get another really good player. And that had been their plan. Daryl Morey's plan was to put another all-star level player around Joel Embiid. For now, disclaimer, this could change. I don't get the sense that they are by any means going all in for Zach Levine. And, and I think the Tyrese Maxey ascension is playing a part here because Zach being conceivably a one-way player um, is, they, you know, they're getting scoring out of Tyrese. He just had a 50-piece the other day. And I think their interest would be more on a two-way player, um, you know, preferably before the deadline, but who knows, maybe this summer. So Philly, you know, certainly inquiring, I think, but but not at the top of that list. Um, you know, the, the, the Heat, we know their offseason and how much talent they let get out the door, so not a surprise that they are going after Zach. Uh, you know, the Knicks, a good team. We talk to our Fred Katz about it all the time where, you know, the Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson approach has gotten them so far, but a lot of people think. On the Knicks front, doesn't it yeah. seem like, the Donovan Mitchell domino matters more to them. It's almost like save yourself for that. Yes, it, it does. Uh, but they're, pli- you know, there's a gray area there, Slater. I think they know, for one, I think they have a, a bit of a split room. They have an interesting front office now. Um, a lot of know, voices, right? A lot of voices. Lot Leon Rose, Gerson Rosas, uh, you know, Frank Zanin. Another of John's old friends. Right? That's right. Yes. You know, uh, I mean, John and I talked about it, I think, during your trip out west, John, that you know, Cat has been tied to the Knicks for years, uh, you know, but even more so with Kirsten now in New York. Um, so I think they're, you know, they look at everything. I don't know exactly where they're at on Zach, uh, but, you know. Wait, the, the Lakers, it just seems like a D'Angelo Russell, like, upgrade, right? I mean, that, 100%. Right. 100%. Yeah, and, and what I want to see is, like, I wonder what the package is for Zach Levine. Like, I, 
I, he's a good player. He is an explosive scorer, but is he the kind of guy who, I mean, I, I know by virtue, you have to get to a certain financial uh, a money level to, to, to make the salaries work and match and, and do it that way. But I, I wonder if he's at the point in his career and where the ball, bulls are right now that they can fetch a, a huge return for him. I, I think I the answer think to that is no. Right. You know, you know it, mostly because it's contract. It's just, yeah. you know, in the second apron world. He's been um, dealing with a knee issue for a little while. Like, yeah. So I would predict that it's um, going to go up. I mean, I would be surprised if, if any kind of deal went down anytime soon because yeah. I think the the Bulls to this point have been putting the price tag pretty high. Also uh, December 15th, right? That's right. the big date where, you know, all these a whole lot more scenarios in play. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, no, I mean, that's the big name, you know, for, that is kind of the fun part, at least for us, not for the players that have this part of the season is that we're just going to hear more and more names that might be on the move. There is a, a daily, if not hourly, assessment for all 30 teams of, of themselves. You know, do we feel good about who we see in the mirror and how can we get better? So it's that time of year. John, I know you're busy. We thank you very, very much for joining us today. This was good stuff. Uh, we were going to have you on even before people started choking people out. But uh, thanks for, <laughs> for contributing. Uh, Slater, appreciate you. And we'll talk to you guys next week. All right. See you, fellas. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.